welcome to Vineyard KC West podcast. For more information, visit us at vineyardkcwest.com. All right. Good morning, Vineyard Church. It's uh, good to be with you this morning. For those of you that uh, I haven't met yet, uh, my name's Nathan, and uh, part of the, I guess we'll call it the the teaching team uh, here at Vineyard, Um, and Cody, uh, I met with Cody this week, and and uh, he, you know, wanting to make sure everything was, was going to go smoothly this morning. And, and he did say that, he goes, I'm going off the grid this time. So what do you guys want to do this morning? <laughs> Watch some Seinfeld episodes, reruns? No, no. <laughs> um, no, but, but in all sincerity, I, I would just, uh, I, I hope it's all in our hearts just to, just to pray for Cody and, and his family and just to be, some time to be refreshed. Um, you know, since they've uh, come to, to lead this church and, and lead this church family, uh, getting towards a year ago now, but just uh, they've poured so much of themselves in. And it's just, you know, this week and this next couple weeks as they uh, have some time away that we would just have it on our hearts to, to pray for them. As is, uh, was mentioned by uh, Jem and, and Kim this morning, it's, it's been kind of a difficult week uh, around town. And in our communities, uh, from from the flooding and to to the tornadoes, and I think a lot of us in, have experienced some some concerns or, or fears because of that in this last week. And the power of God's nature reminds us of how small and and how weak we are on our own. And as these these storms rolled through, uh, um, you know, my wife kind of follows my lead and, and with these kind of things, and we were watching and listening, and I said, you know what, it, let's, uh, let's have a picnic in the basement, you know, so try to keep the kids uh, calm so they, they're not really sure even what's happening, and, but I was reminded, uh, it was about te- 10 years ago or so of, uh, of another storm that had come through the, the Kansas City area that I was uh, much closer to than I would have liked, um, but I remember being woke up in the middle of the night to a sound of something crashing against the side of my house. I uh, just woke up out of sleep. It, it was a storm that rolled through fast, and I immediately went up, and I pulled back the blinds, and in the street lights, you could see that, you know, that eerie green color. And then when I let go of the blinds, I can literally remember that feeling of the pressure around me changing, and almost as if it took the air out of my lungs. And that, that, that's when you ask, that's not one of those times where you're like, oh, I'm going to try to see it and check it out. No, like when you feel that, like you know it's, it's time to go. And thankfully, no damage, there was no, uh, there was no significant injury, and, and, and everything was safe. But again, it, it's just a, a reminder to me of God's power. And he created this world, and, and I believe he uses nature to remind us of this power, and, and, and sometimes it doesn't make sense, right, why we have to have destruction or, or injuries or even sometimes the, the loss of life, and thankfully we didn't have that this week, but um, I just think we, we can use that, though, to reflect on, on how powerful God is in our life. I think how, how powerful he is yesterday, today, and forever. This morning, um, 
I wanted to, to start just talking a little bit about um, personal space. So when I was a kid, uh, I had an older brother, and uh, that was when he was bigger than me. I mean, he's still pretty big. We still argue who might win, but, um, but he was four years older. And I can remember that nothing would make me more angry. So we might be getting into it and starting to fight about something, and I'd, I'd charge at him. And he'd just, he'd just stick his hand out right on my head. And I'm standing over here, you know, literally like a cartoon, just swinging. I, I couldn't do anything about it. And it, it just, it just it made me so crazy that he could just, he was just keeping that distance. He was keeping that arm out just to keep me just far enough away so, so that I wouldn't bother him. And I don't know if that's just over time bothered me so much that, that I've had to find ways to, to deal with that, to try to get closer to people. Because my wife tells me, I invade people's personal space. She's not here this morning. She may listen to it. So she, but she says, you, sometimes when you're talking to people, you get too close while you're talking to them. And I've decided that, I, I don't know if it's, if it's my brother doing that to me or if it's some strange spiritual gift um, to, to stand closer to people, but it's, I think there's something to this um, because it's only natural that we, for many reasons in our lives, if it's, if it's fear, if it's concern, if, if it's pain or something or someone that might cause pain, we, we try to keep some distance. We try to keep a little bit of distance. And we do it. We do it with the people even we maybe love the most or that we're the closest to. And even at times, I think we're doing it with Jesus where maybe we want him close when we think we need him. The other times, let's, let's keep a little bit of space around us. This morning, we're going, to, uh, we're going to continue in a study of Acts, and we're going to look at the conversion of Saul. And Saul was this fear monger, a murderer. And if you were a believer, you should have been absolutely terrified of the links that, that Saul would go to find you, throw you in prison, or have you killed. You should have kept many arms length of distance away from Saul. He was a terrifying, terrifying man. But we're going to also see this morning the power of God in that personal way. That if God can still love a man like Saul enough to pour his power into changing just this one man's heart, that surely, surely he can handle our hurts our stresses, and our feelings of inadequacy. And we're going to read this morning about how Saul got real close um, and that Jesus got right into his personal space. This morning, uh, I want to start by reading the entire passage. We're going to read in Acts chapter 9, or chapter 8, sorry, verses 9 through 19. But before we do that, if you would, just... Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we, we come to you this morning and we again just, we, uh, we lift up all of those in our community that, that have been affected uh, this spring and this last week and months of just flooding and these storms and God that you would, uh, 
uh, show yourself, reveal yourself to them in a, in a new way as, as folks try to, try to rebuild. And, and uh, God, just we do, we do give thanks, um, God, that uh, while you showed your power, you still held it back. Um, God, we, we want to be reminded of how, of how big you are. And God, this morning, that as we, as we read your word, as we, as we learn about how you moved into and, and changed uh, Saul's life, God, that you would move amongst us. We invite you. We ask you to join us. We ask you to reveal yourself this morning through your word, through your power. In Jesus' name, amen. So Acts chapter 8. I want to read the, like I said, read the, the, the whole passage this morning, and we'll break it down uh, a little bit, but just to, to kind of give the context. So, meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground, and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground. But when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judah on Straight Street and ask for the man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias said, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with the authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel, and I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up, was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. So, as we've been doing this uh, study in, in Acts, it, at times, it, the book of Acts, it seems like scenes from the Wild West. I mean, there's all kinds of crazy things happening, and, and, and to good people. And it was by, by way, in, in many cases, of Saul and, and others and, and the Pharisees, and it, and it seemed there was no law, and those who were openly choosing Jesus were being paraded to jail or, or even worse, to their death. In Acts, the seventh chapter, Stephen was stoned for his beliefs, and, as, and, and prior to him being stoned, those that doing the stoning laid their robes at the feet of Saul, so he's involved there. In chapter 8, Simon was a self-proclaimed sorcerer, and Saul, in that chapter, is also focused on his efforts to destroy the church. 
He was dragging people from their homes. Saul had, a, he had some hatred in his heart. Saul was, and it's, it's a word we don't, we don't like to use, but he was a terrorist. He really was a terrorist. And these are all things as Christians we confess not to be when we accept Jesus. Why is it that God would want to help Saul so much? Why does God want to change him so badly? Ultimately, he, he saw Saul as the person that he was going to choose to, to write 13 books of what we call the New Testament. And I think even more basic, it's because he'll leave the flock for just one. He will leave the 99, always, for me and for you. So in Acts, in the, the first and second verses here, we see that uh, Saul is, is intent on using fear to persecute others for their beliefs. It says he was breathing out murderous threats. This is a hatred that's just coming from deep inside. And Saul is clearly in, intent on, on harming Christians and making them terrified for their belief. And what, what makes him get to that point? And why does, why does hatred build up to a point in somebody that it becomes your identity? I think it just, it just continued to evolve for Saul. Like, once he became that, it, it just it fed itself. And I think we still see it, I think we still see it today in, in small ways and big ways in our own communities and, and certainly around the world. But I think it's a, it's a more complex answer um, than, uh, than I can probably address. But I think there's no doubt at the core of it that it's, it's the evil one. It's Satan that, that's at work in that kind of hatred. And until Jesus comes again, Christians will continue, will continue to be you know, tempted and tried and, and even at times face death at the hands of someone somewhere under the power of, of hate. There's no gray area. We, we must pursue the good that is Jesus in order to over, overcome our own battles, our own battles in our hearts. And Saul was, at this time in his life, he was so deeply rooted in this hatred, but we see in, these, in, in, this, in this chapter, in these next verses, that at the same time, he also had, he also deep down had an understanding of his own reckoning that was, that was on its way. So this morning, as, as we continue on, we're going to see you know, this conversion, and we're going to learn about Ananias. So in the conversion, I think it's only fitting that, that God uh, and Jesus begins with a flash of light, right? Because it's clearly you know, the Christian faith in God, and, and so much is it's the light and it's the darkness. And he uses this flash of light to, to overcome the darkness in Saul. Verses 4 and 5. It says, He fell to the ground and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, 
Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. I think Saul immediately knew something in his life was wrong. And, uh, and he needed to change. I believe he probably felt uh, any number of emotions come over him. And I find it interesting in this passage that the words that, that are written down, that are recorded at, this, at the time of this very, very direct, very personal experience with Jesus. Who are you, Lord? He wasn't bumbling around making excuses. I, I would imagine that Saul, when, when he spoke and when he commanded people and he had all the, all the words and all the things and, and confidence in the world and he wasn't, he wasn't looking for those words, he wasn't even yet saying, I'm sorry. Who are you, Lord? He recognized power and he knew he was about to change forever. He experienced Jesus right in his personal space. And he knew it in his soul, which I believe may also mean that he believed in the power of Jesus, even as he persecuted Christians. Because we often fight against what we know to be true. It doesn't make sense. It's a, it's a strange disconnect that we have at times in the human condition that we often fight against what we know to be true. Because if we can't understand it or if we've yet to process it, taking a stance against it is sometimes the easier way. It's sometimes easier. So this morning, I think one thing we can do is, is say and ask ourselves, what is God working on in our lives that we're fighting against? What is it? What is it we're fighting against? Because it's easier. We all experience it. And, it, and it's okay, it's okay to give in and to ask for help from God. Ask for prayer from, from family, from friends. You know, we may not get to experience a, a flash of light directly from God, but we can still ask of Jesus, just like Saul did. In every one of those moments in our life, who are you? Lord, who are you right now? And I love, too, how Jesus uh, proceeds with some tough love, um, telling Saul to get up off the ground, go into the city, and do what I tell you to do. You know, it, it, it reminds me a lot of things that are heard in our house, uh, parenting, you know, young children, that... You know, you get pushed at times to the point where it's just, you know, it's six words or less, and you're straightforward, and it's, and, it's, and it's stern. It's the only option you have left. And at the same time, while, while this is all happening to Saul, God is, is working and speaking to this other man, Ananias. And I think this is God with what I would call the perfect setup in humility, perfect setup in humility. Ananias was this Christian, I think a strong Christian, doing his best to to follow Jesus, to to teach about Jesus, and while also hiding from Saul. But God was going to use Ananias 
to help further reveal Jesus to Saul. When he's, uh, when he's initially called upon in verse 10, because we see that we saw earlier that Saul said, Who are you, Lord? And Ananias' reply in his first words, Yes, Lord. God is clearly setting an example. And I think this is the thing that in this passage that just really stood out to me is the believer says, Yes, Lord. And the lost and the confused and the uncertain had replied, Who are you, Lord? And I think each of us this morning should consider these moments in our own relationship with Jesus. And at what moment do we ask, who are you, Lord? In order that we can live the rest of our lives seeking Jesus so that when he does call on us, that we're going to hear it and we're going to confidently reply, yes, Lord. And I think Ananias does reply with confidence, but he quickly had questions. And it's, it's okay to be afraid and but we still have to have this faith. Because, again, Ananias knows, and, he's, and he knows that Saul is after him and other Christians just like him. Why would I go reveal myself to this man? Let alone tell him I'm going to be the one to heal him through the authority of the one that he has this hatred for, Jesus. It's, you have to think, Ananias, is like this is a really terrible plan. You know, because I'm sure it's any number of things, right? It's like, God, you, well, if you were a flash of light and, and you took away a sight, why don't you just go ahead and take care of him? God's, I think it's, like I said, it's a setup. It's a great setup of humility. Because it was a good plan. Verses 13 through 16. Lord. Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with the authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. So much like Moses and others in the Bible, who immediately made excuses why they maybe weren't the right person for the job. Ananias is, is trying to bail out a little bit of what he believes to be this terrible plan. It's, it, it, it's a natural, it's a human reaction. You keep that distance from something that I'm afraid of or that could hurt me. But, again, God makes it fairly clear, go, go. And then he explains that Saul will be this instrument of the gospel that's going to change the world forever. And this probably makes, again, Ananias think, you know, how am I going to do this? Why me? But God is making it paramount that this man, full of hatred for Christians, will become one of the greatest deliverers of the gospel to all people for all time. Listen, listen, and go. 
Who are you, Lord? Yes, Lord. Jesus, I believe, wants to take our burdens, our pain, our fears, all of it. He wants to, he wants to break that down. He wants to, he wants to get in our personal space. And there's nothing in our life, no matter how we feel about it, that is too broken, too hurt, too damaged for Jesus. And that's beyond the power of God. Saul Saul murdered. Saul sold fear. And yet God said, I'm going to use you. This man and his words to bring the gospel. What we do here this morning, what we, what we do together in worship, this, this Bible that we look to for truth, it doesn't happen without Saul. It doesn't happen without him first saying, who are you, Lord? So it's my hope this morning that we, that we reflect on this power of God and we ask for it in, in our relationships, our finances, our jobs, whatever it is, whatever it is that's in this world that, that we're struggling with, that we're battling, that, and that we be honest with ourselves and we, and we are honest with yourself has anything else you've been trying working? Has it been working? And that we listen for God. That we can listen right now and move towards Jesus. And while we may not have been persecuted as Christians to death or to the point that Saul did, we're still called to a, a similar action that no matter how high the highs and low the lows, that we have to first listen. And again, the only thing that Saul uttered when he came face to face with Jesus and with God, who are you, Lord? Those are the words of a man, of a person whose attention was captured. And he was ready. It was time. He was ready to listen. As we uh, get ready to close this morning, I want to invite the worship team to come back up. And again, I want us to ask ourselves whether we've known... Jesus our whole life or if we're just starting to check this thing out and and Christianity and the church and, and whatever all this means, just are we listening? Are we truly listening? Can we can we let uh, let our guard down a little bit? That we can let Jesus come a little closer into that personal space and we ask Jesus who are you 
in my life? Who is Jesus in your life right now? Ask for more power. God can deliver. We've seen it. We've seen his power just in the last weeks. And just as Ananias, God then wants to hear each of us say, Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And we have to listen and we have to respond. It's both. In the 17th verse, Ananias entered the house, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. God, Ananias heard God. Even through all his fears, he let down those walls and he, and he listened. He, I'm confident he was still a little scared and, and probably felt unprepared. We may feel that way right now. We may feel a little scared or unprepared to open ourselves to Jesus, to a family member, anybody around us, anybody else in our life, but we have business to do. We have business to do this morning with Jesus in this moment. I don't think there's any other reason for us to be here. It's to bring him some kind of blessing through our worship. And then we made, we come to be made whole. If, if Jesus would, and if God saw this man Saul and said, hey, this guy that's throwing people in jail, that's murdering people, that's who I'm going to use to change the world. That's who I'm going to use to deliver my gospel. If Jesus would leave the 99 for Saul, I promise, I promise you that he has already left the 99 for you and for me. And he's waiting right now. He's already left the 99 and he's waiting right now for our burdens, our, our pain, and our fears. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, let us, let us tear down the walls, God. Jesus, come as close as you can get. God, come in this place, God, that, that, we, can, that we can feel you, that, that you are the breath in our lungs, God. And that, God, you would just come into our hearts in a new and fresh way. God, again, whether we've known you for 50 years or, God, that maybe we felt you in the last five seconds. But, Jesus, just come in here with your power, God, and, and work in us. Take our fears. Take our pain. Take our hurt. God, we give it to you. Nothing else is working. It's never going to. God, we trust you. We ask for you. And this morning, if there's anybody, God, that just wants to let down that wall enough and just ask for prayer, or we just, if, if you want to just pray to God where you're at and you're more comfortable that way, do it this morning. Take care of business. But also, if 
if there's anybody, God, this morning that you just, just come forward and come and as we worship and just time of ministry, God, that you can talk to me, you can talk to Jim, it, it just whatever needs to, whatever needs to happen, God, that, that we can do some business and we can do it together. We pray in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening this week. If you're looking for ways to serve, give, or get connected, please visit vineyardkcwest.com.